This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. frantic weekend I can stay my hair I mean um a week ago we were talking about potential for you know the last game of the season who might be playing who might not be playing and, and that kind of almost not looking forward to a dead rubber that's what Saturday was going to be it was going to be a day out driven by you know going to the football but with absolutely no care whatsoever at all for football that's really what it was, wasn't it? It was a day out to be ruined by football. We've had enough of those this season. And what did it turn into? It turned into one of the most pivotal days in the club's recent history. As we know by now, and if you don't, this is going to be news to you. I do wonder if Babs knows this. She's just online. Mike Appleton leaves by mutual consent. Look, there's been lots and lots of chat about that over the last couple of days. You know, is it a good thing for the club? Is it a bad thing for the club? There will never be any agreement. Everybody has their own opinions. Um, some think it's gone stale. Some think that you know, it's a bad thing and that we were on the right track and that actually the news that I retweeted this morning about the, the fitness guy joining is probably you know, more akin to what we needed than a new coach. But, but it is what it is. That's football. <clears throat> you know, you should... Never get attached to players, never get attached to managers because football moves quick. <clears throat> I feel a bit let down and not, not, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, not by Michael as such, not by the club as such, just I bought into it. Oh, sorry about, I've got bed hair, shocking. Um, I bought into it, you know what I mean? I'd, uh, we did the podcast with him and it was, it was, you know, the, the championship, that's where I want to be. And I believed him because 
I don't know, there was something pragmatic about Michael Appleton. There was something that when when Danny when Danny Cowley spoke, it was an enigma. It was enigmatic. He was charismatic. He drew you in by the manner in which he spoke. He made his words sound true through his body language, through his eye contact, through through everything that he was. You know, he was just an enigmatic man. He could have had Lincoln City fans walking into the sea in their hundreds saying, if you walk into the sea tomorrow, we'll win the game. And you would have gone, Danny Cowley's made me believe that. With Michael, there was there was none of the razzmatazz. There was none of the, you know, it wasn't particularly the eye contact, the body language. It was just, you believed his words. They were just there. It was literally just, when Michael Appleton spoke, you, he came across as somebody who would never lie. There was never any bullshit. You never, I never got the impression from Michael that there was ever a level of, dishonesty and when I say that I mean with when I say dishonesty I mean around Danny you know it was Danny was very very good at, at making you believe what he wanted you to believe very very good at that and that's not a bad thing by the way that's not a negative thing you know he's he was great PR man whereas Michael just delivered the news as it was and and I believed him when he said that he could take us to the championship and I think at the time he believed it as well but you fall for things like this don't you and and I did. I, I fell for it. A lot of you, I'm sure, fell for it as well. And, and when I say fell for it, it makes it sound like it was a deliberate trap, but it wasn't a deliberate trap. You know, you just believe, don't you? You want to believe the best for your football club. I think you do. Some people are naturally suspicious. Some people, when a manager talks, instantly want to disbelieve it. I want to believe it. And when I sat there in the room across from him and he told me, you know, he said championship in a couple of years, I believed it. And and look, up until May, you know, it's only it's not even a full calendar year since we went off to Wembley with dreams of, of championship football. So, you know, if you had told me a year ago today, which I think is around the time we drew 0-0 with Wimbledon, if you'd said to me, Michael Appleton will leave by mutual consent in a year, I would have laughed at you because I would have said he's built up enough goodwill not to do that. Don't think he's... Let's, let's not try and read too much into this. Let's not say, well, Michael Appleton's left the club by mutual consent, but it's a sacking. It ain't. And, you know, he, he hasn't walked away from the club. It is... From what I can understand, mutual consent, there was a misalignment, whether that's in terms of transfers, whether that's in terms of backroom staff, I don't know. It was a misalignment and we move on. And look, this chat isn't, isn't meant to be me picking the manager relationship apart. There hasn't been a lot of media from from Ben, Jake or I, I don't think, around this. Um, just with it being Bank Holiday Weekend, you know, the big news of a <clears throat> Lincoln City Football Club always seems to happen when I can't do anything about it. So I was on Radio Lincolnshire, sort of eight pints in, in the treaty. Um, I think I gave a good account of myself. I certainly hope so. Uh, Sunday was spent kind of going through reaction and then looking at the the candidates. And, and there are a lot of different candidates being laid out. I think a lot of it's paper talk. My gut feeling is that the football club have probably already interviewed a couple. I would think that Michael, we knew Michael was going I think they probably knew a couple of weeks ago. The first rumour circulated, I think, two months ago. Um, and they were rumours that I tended not to believe because people were saying, you know, I heard Jez George had left the club the day that I met him at the training ground and had the uh, had the discussion. So, um, yeah, you tend not to believe these rumours, but this one was true. But I would say if that's the case, and these rumours were going around a couple of months ago, there is no way whatsoever that Clive Nate woke up Sunday morning and went, shit, what are we going to do now? He's going to know and he's going to have planned for it. And that's why names have very quickly come into the frame that people kind of have, have had to go to Wikipedia for. And Ian Foster was one I had to go to Wikipedia for. And I, when I say that, I don't mean like I'm the fountain of all knowledge, but I do tend to keep 
my ear to the ground a little bit around certain certain sort of managers and you know those that are out of work. I think last time when Michael came in, I, I kind of shouted, "Michael would be a good a, a good man to come in," as well as Gareth Ainsworth and Michael Flynn. Um, but Ian Foster took me by surprise. So why Ian Foster? Why is he being named? Well, and I'll come to Jason Reeves made a good comment here. I'll come to that in a second. So Ian Foster has got the track record of working with young players. So he's at England under-19s. Um, he played for Kidderminster Harriers, I think. He's, he's, he's been around as, a, as an assistant manager uh, at, at the same time. I think what you're looking at if we go down the Ian Foster route is keeping the club, I hate to say model, but keeping that ethos of recruitment being not taken out of the manager's hands, but being done in conjunction with the manager, not at the manager's behest. And people who criticise that, you've got to remember that I think the only player that went that didn't go through the the what we would class as a a robust transfer process, and anybody that came on the on the chat with Joe George will understand that a lot does go into it. Um, the only player that circumnavigated that was Remy Longdon, who, as you probably know, um, later went out to York on loan and and kind of now playing in the National League North. I'm not going to say it's his level. He could probably play a level higher, but he certainly isn't a League One player. Um, sorry, Nick Oxbury texting me. Clearly doesn't have Facebook turned on. Um, so that would that would stick within the the so-called business model, which yeah, it's, it's cringeworthy almost because. I think a club is agile. I think a football club has to change. It can't just say, no, it's not, we're not just going to sign young players. We're going to have to sign experienced footballers as well. So, you know, we're not going to just stick to a certain model. We were the third youngest overall um, squad, I think, last season in, in League One. Uh, I think the, the two below us were Crewe and Wimbledon. I think that tells you pretty much everything you need to know. It might be wrong. It might be NK Dons and Wimbledon. Not sure, <clears throat> but either way, young squads need experience to help them tick over. We don't really have that at the moment. The experienced players that we do have don't see as much as leaders. So, an Ian Foster would be kind of playing into the current situation, the current trying to bring young players through. And um, people talk about Michael going will lose his contacts. I'm not so sure about that. You know, I don't think that we've been borrowing players from Manchester City just because of Michael Appleton. I think he has been an overarching factor, but we have that relationship with those players now, with those clubs now. What we need to do is prove to those clubs that we're going to be able to now further develop those players, even without Michael, which is where Ian Foster comes in. When you've worked with Phil Foden and, and dare I say, he's a pariah at the moment, but Mason Greenwood and, and Callum Hudson-Odai and, and uh, the boy from uh, Crystal Palace, is it Gallagher? Chelsea or loan at place. When when you've worked with those players, you've got a reputation within those clubs. So we wouldn't be si- we wouldn't be bringing Ian Foster in to pander to them. We would be bringing them in to show a degree of continuity. And I remember when Dean Smith left uh, Brentford and Thomas Frank came in, everything else stayed the same. And on the field, pretty much everything stayed the same. Now, obviously, that's not going to be the case here. Something needs to change on the field as well. But I understand there's wanting to keep the core principles that took us to the championship player, uh, the, you know, the league one playoffs last season. <clears throat> I understand there's one to stick to those principles this time out with an appointment. So that's where Ian Foster comes in very much a coach. Of course, that does, I think then make some of the other members of staff as accountable. And I think that that's an interesting point that some people have raised that, you know, Michael, dare we say, has he fallen on his sword for one reason or another? He's taken mutual consent, but, 
I've said all along that when we were struggling through the season, not everything is down to the the head coach. You know, the, it's it's not Michael's fault that we were suffering from the injuries. That all of the players, uh, or a lot of the players who came in in the summer, didn't quite rise to expectation. I'm talking Sorensen, the delicate Maguire, players like that. You know, injured players likes of Walsh, Jackson, Bridgecut, Pete Summers, my good friend Pete has argued with me so many times, there's no such thing as bad luck with injuries. I disagree to a point, but I also buy into the number of players who didn't get injured during a game and then don't actually make the next start in 11. That's a concern. I understand we've brought a new strength and conditioning guy in to work with the existing sports science guys uh, who have done a good job over the past few years. Hopefully we can get to the bottom of that. But what I mean is that you know, Michael going doesn't mean that you stick a pin in it and go every problem that we perceive as fans to have had last year, we still have. Ian Foster coming in doesn't solve all of those problems. So I don't, you know, I think an Ian Foster figure coming in, there's still, still things that we need to probably address. Stephen Bradley's another name. He's at Shamrock Rovers. He's won back-to-back titles with Shamrock Rovers. He took them to uh, the Champions League. I think it was the Champions League. It might have been the Europa League. Uh, AC Milan, I think they played under Stephen Bradley. Only lost 2-0 last year. I think they beat Slovan Bratislava at their place, but ended up going down 3-2. Normally, when you see an Irish side in the Champions League, with the greatest respect, they're playing what looks like a great Scrabble score from Albania, uh, and they get beat 5-0, and everyone goes, oh, they did so well, uh, you know, to keep it down. So... There's an error of respectability when AC Milan win 2-0 or when you beat Slovan Bratislava, who are you know, a decent side. So that's an achievement in itself. I think he's also won the, the, uh, the, FA, the Irish FA Cup uh, at Shamrock Rovers. He started his career as a youth player at Arsenal at the same time as his head of football, Stephen McPhail. And if the Irish Mirror are to be believed, uh, we're also actually looking at his head of football and his head of coaching. So if the, and, and let's face it, the words mirror and to be believed don't normally get brought together in the same way as Daily Mail and the Sun don't. But the Renew story is doing the rounds. Stephen McPhail, Leeds fans will remember well. I think he played for Leeds for uh, a few years. Again, another kind of former Arsenal youngster. Uh, read up a little bit on Stephen Bradley. He's certainly one who believes heavily in Irish youth which I think is interesting, um, given our tendency to to bring players over from Ireland. When you think about Oson Gallagher, Anthony Scully, Sean Rowan, you know, we haven't been afraid to go to Ireland and, and, and pick out young players. Uh, but then to say, you know, we're going to sign an Irish coach to bring in the Irish, bring on the Irish lads is, it's lazy. Um, but I like the fact that Bradley, one, has already got uh, man, experience of managing a dressing room, uh, has got a backroom staff ready to go. Because let's face it, the greatest respect, David Kerslake ain't going to stay now. Michael Appleton's gone. Assistant managers barely ever stay uh, once, the, once the manager has gone. I like the look of Bradley. Like, as I do, as I like the look of, of Ian Foster. And they're both quite out of left field. And they're the sort of managers that, that some fans might go, don't know him, don't know him. But Liam Manning was the same at MK Dons. He's just taken those to the playoffs. Um uh, Steve Cooper, okay, he'd been at, at Swansea before, but he came out of the England under-19 setup. Neil Critchley took Blackpool up last season. He came out of Liverpool under-23s as well. So there is a good argument for, for taking these calculated risks. And it's not like when we brought Chris Sutton in, who you know, was basically just a name and the board were blindsided by that. This won't happen 
um, with our club. But somebody who is a name uh, who has interested me over the weekend is David Unsworth as well. Now, David Unsworth, very much like Critchley in that he's been an under-23 manager um, in Liverpool, but for Everton, in Unsworth's case, for many, many years. Um, done good things with their under-23 side. Um, and he recently left Everton with a view to taking over in senior management. Now, he's kind of a hybrid, isn't he, of of the Chris Sutton name, or the bigger name, and not, not that kind of level, but of the bigger name that you know and the under-23 training. I think he's outsider, if I'm honest. You know, I've seen him mentioned. I've seen him in odds lists. I've seen Lee Johnson and um, Fatty Evans or whatever on odds lists as well. Joey Barton, that ain't going to happen. We ain't going to go to the merry-go-round and just pluck the first one off like hook-a-duck. Unsworth, I think, would be interesting. Um, you would expect a relationship with Everton. One of the last players we took from them was Callum Connolly, who actually was a decent footballer at this level, just came in at an awkward time. But we're not going to take a head coach or a manager based purely on who they might be. Um, we're not going to go and say Unsworth might help us out with Everton, so we'll go with that. We have relationships with these clubs already. Manchester City know that. Nottingham Forest know that. Arsenal know that. These are players who have been to clubs that have sent players to us. These players have done well, and they're going to go on. Rogers has struggled this year, but he'll go on and have a good career. Brennan Johnson's been superb at Forest. Luis Fiorini will go to the Championship next year. Brooke Norton Coffee probably will as well. So we've already proven that we have this kind of relationship. So we don't need to go to someone and go, well, we need to replace Michael's contacts. We don't. We don't need to do that. We need to replace the coaching reputation. Yes, but we don't need to replace contacts. We don't need to go to someone who's who's got you know Brian Giggs on speed dial. It's not how football works. Certainly not in this day and age, anyway. Um, so, they're three of the, the candidates. Uh, I've also seen Ian Birchnell at Notts County mentioned. Uh, he was at um, Ostersund's, uh, Osterun's, Osterun's, I think. Uh, the Ostersund, I'm not sure. I can't think where the S comes now. The Norwegian side, anyway. No doubt that'll be clipped up on a meme. Um, but he was there, I think, after Graham Potter. And not done a bad job in Notts County. Put him in the National League playoffs. Very similar to when I think Shrewsbury took Paul Hurst from Grimsby. Very kind, of, very much that sort of thing. Um, just you know, taking a manager who has already done it a little bit at national league level. I don't know where my dog wants to go. Um, he's has he got the reputation as a coach within the game? Possibly, possibly not. I think at one point he was on the list to go to MK Dons when Liam Manning. Um, went there instead. I think maybe Stephen Bradley may have been as well. I've certainly seen a headline along those lines. So, And that's an interesting one. And I know some people have mentioned Mark Bonner uh, at Cambridge. You know, very much a Cambridge United fan and man. So very much a Michael Flynn style you know, one-club man at the moment. Could he transfer anywhere else? Would he? You know, he's, he's in a good job at Cambridge. Um, they're a side that probably, they're a club that probably you know, on a par with us, let's be respectful. Let's not kind of think that oh, Cambridge were better than them because we're not necessarily. They've played championship football in my living memory. We haven't. Um, however, don't forget that Jess George gave him his football league debut. So there's a relationship there. So that's worth considering. Um, but again, we're not going to appoint somebody just because Jess George used to work with him. Um, that's certainly not going to be not going to be the case. 
Michael Duff is someone that's been mentioned. I, look, the job Michael Duff has done at Charlton has been utterly phenomenal. It really has. To a degree, he's helped, you know, he's helped Charlie Colkett, who was at Chelsea and kind of tumbled away. He's brought him on. He was entrusted with Callum Wright, who played very, very well for, for Charlton this season and will probably go into the championship. Did a good job, obviously, with Josh Griffiths two late the other year um, before he came to us. So he's been entrusted with with players before. I think Michael Duff would be a good appointment for us. I don't think it will happen. I don't see us throwing compensation out there for, or lots of compensation out there for a player. I would imagine the compensation for the likes of Duff at Cheltenham may be lower than Shamrock Rovers. I mean, that's no disrespect to Shamrock, but I would imagine that you know, after what Stephen Bradley's achieved there, there will almost be a you know, not gentleman's agreement, but he, you know, I, think, I think it's likely that we would pay less to release him. Ian Foster, I don't think we would pay an awful lot at all. Coming from England, I think it would just be a case of him walking away and coming to us. So the compensation is something to bear in mind. And Jake has just mentioned there, Rob Edward as well, who's at um, Forest Green. Done a good job there. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it, to take the Forest Green manager after they've gone up. But at the same time, it's the compensation. And they don't need the money, do they? Dale Vince ain't going to go, oh, we're hard up for 100 grand here. He just sticks another 5p, whatever, on it on a unit of energy for his electric cars and it's paid for. So um, I can't see us taking another manager. The other thing that's grated on me over the past couple of days, and I know that it's going to happen, but you go on social media and see things like Sean Dyche or Steve Evans or Joey Barton. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. You bring one of those in. And for me, it's, it's a complete non-starter. That's going back to, uh, Chris Sutton, that's going back to Peter Jackson, it's going back to, to the merry-go-round, we ain't going to do that pure and simple, we are not going to do that, and if you're someone that's hoping for those sorts of names, or or Sean Dice, who why would Sean Dice come to Lincoln City but if, if you're thinking those sort of names are going to be linked with the job, play too much football manager, play too much FIFA, you read too many Dead end, non entity websites, lazy websites. They're like, who's the Lincolnite Lincoln's where's Joey Barton? Will it be Joey Barton? Okay, no, of course it won't be Joey Barton. Jesus Christ. It's not how we work. It's not. And even people, somebody I think said, oh, I think I saw a Pulis. Somebody I've got a lot of time to I'll be sad to see Pulis. I would be so sad to see us go back to long ball, Gillingham, Wickham style football. It worked for Wickham this season. It didn't work for Gillingham. It won't work for us. Fans get fans turned on Michael because we were playing decent football and not getting the results. You start pumping it long and playing crap football and start not getting the results. A huge section of fan base turn. I'd turn. If we were pumping it up in the air and not getting anywhere with it, just kept doing it again and again. I've watched that at Lincoln. I've watched it. How quickly did some fans turn on Danny and Nicky? They did. And we weren't even that direct. We weren't even Gillingham direct under Danny and Nicky. I remember us drawing an older. Do you remember that? They had a man sent off Ishmael Miller, I think. And we ended up drawing. It was the year that we won the title. We won the title that year. And, and Danny rang. I'm not kind of going, oh, look at me. Danny rang me the next morning and said, what the fans want? I've been reading social media. We got a point away at Oldham Athletic, a decent point. I'm getting, I'm getting slated for it because if the football ain't good and you're losing games, that's a bad combination. At least if the football's good and you're losing games, you know people, people are interested in that. People can keep watching that. They can. My dog wants to go somewhere else. Charlie, come on, let's go. I oh, know. So 
it's going to be a t- it's going to be an interesting time. Uh, thank you, Nick Oxbury, for your comment. I've retweeted that already this morning, though, mate. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting old time. There's going to be lots of names thrown into it. I think we're going to make a quick appointment. I'll be honest. I think by this time next week, it absolutely wouldn't surprise me if we don't know who the new manager of Lincoln City is. And that's just, that's not a red herring. That's not me knowing anything in advance. I genuinely don't. I, I know absolutely nothing about the current process, where we are, anything like that. But Michael Appleton, Hamden, or, or agreeing to leave by mutual consent an hour after the, the final game has finished indicates a huge amount of pre-planning. Uh, and if that's been the case, even if the club have known about it for four or five days, wheels would have been set in motion. It's why you've got names like Ian Foster and uh, and Stephen Bradley mentioned now. It, it is, it's why you've got them there. Because those people likely, if this has happened, will already have either been sounded out, they will have been uh, had the due diligence done, all that sort of stuff. We're going for a quick appointment. Last year, do you know what we suffered from? I mean, no, that's an open-ended question where everyone could answer a million things. One of the things we suffered from was the summer. Our summer ended four weeks after everybody else. We were so far behind in terms of player recruitment that we ended up missing out on certain targets who moved to clubs in our division because we couldn't react quick enough. I remember chatting to, I can't remember who it was at the club, who was saying that there was one player in particular who we wanted to sign if we stayed in League One but who wanted to sign for us if we went up to the championship. He was a League One winger at the time. He wanted to step up. We wanted him if we stayed down. But we couldn't go all in on him as a League One club because we didn't know we'd be a League One club. And if we went all in and pumped a load of wages into him and signed him and then we went to the championship, he wasn't the calibre that we wanted in the championship. And so we were stuck in that kind of that circle for four weeks. And by the time we came out of that, uh, and, and there was the kind of the, the warming down period for a couple of days after Wembley and, and the readjustment. We were behind the game and then Michael was ill through the summer. We had a short, short summer. It's not why we did as we did this season, but it was a contributing factor in possibly some of the signings. Possibly. It was certainly a contributing factor in some of the fitness, I think, as well. But Lincoln City's chairman, Lincoln City's board, director of football chief exec all that don't want that to happen again don't want that to happen again they don't want to get to this stage next season and us be bottom four or even bottom six going well we're to appoint a new manager and it took six weeks no chance no chance at all we're going to move going to move quick we'll already be halfway moved it's almost like announcing that you're moving house, having already probably agreed terms on the house you're moving into, but not telling anybody. So I've, that, I firmly believe that. I think it wouldn't surprise me if Bradley and Foster aren't the two top candidates, the two people that we want. wouldn't surprise me if we haven't interviewed at least one of the other names that have come out, because these are names that fans didn't expect to see. But they're names that circulated very, very quickly. Very quickly. Like Michael had gone and within 10 minutes, I'd seen names like Ian Foster and Ian Birchnell popping up on my phone. So, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if these these moves haven't already been made. So, look, that's where we are at the moment. Um, not a lot more to say about it, really, is that I can go through some of the your comments. Um, my dog doesn't seem to have. I'm not going to go through all the hellos, put them all up on screen. But Ryan Whelan, hello. Blake Hutchinson, Hello. 
Jimmy Atkin, hello, Owen Dawson, Babs Landamore, Steve Barton, Emily Rook, Nick Proctor, morning all. Chris Keneally is gutted. He's gutted because there's a he's a mank and we've now lost a mank, so he's heartbroken. Gav, good morning. You're going to owe me 20 quid, mate, because if that next appointment ain't Danny Cowley, you know what our bet is. Uh, make sure you bring it, and I want it one crisp £20 note. First game of the season, and I'll use it, use it wisely. Jason Reeves says, morning. Jake, one of our podcast co-presenters. Morning, Gary. Got it to lose, MA, but the game goes on. We have a new man to get behind, regardless of who it is. We need to get behind him. Some supporters never took to MA from the start. Excited, what's next? I think the problem Michael had... From the very first second he stepped through the door, was that he wasn't Danny Cowley. Let's be honest, he wasn't Danny Cowley, and he had this impossible job of redefining the football club in his own image or in his own kind of vision. But he wasn't Danny, and so that people at that point they 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 loved the fist pumping and the sweet Caroline. I say it facetiously, but look, it was good while it lasted, wasn't it? You know, every time those hands, holding hands or whatever sparked up after the games in the National League, you got it. And I understand why Dan and Nick did it. I do. I do. And it was brilliant to be a part of. And it was something else I bought into wholeheartedly. But you have to understand that all managers are the same. So when Michael Appleton chose not to be like that, he wasn't on the pitch fist bumping and all that because that's not him. Some people perceived that to be a lack of passion rather than just a personality. So. Some people didn't get behind him from the start because they perceived that as a lack of passion. Uh, and I think others just didn't gel with the personality. And, uh, you know, there were some people who I think wanted to see more from him, not the fist pump in. They weren't comparing him to Dan and Nick. But, you know, they just wanted to see a little bit more from him. And it wasn't Michael, unfortunately, for him. Reese Marshall, I think Appleton leaving is a good thing, not necessarily because of him, but all the negativity around him was going to be very difficult to shift. Fresh start next season, new manager and a different team. Yes, I agree. Um, I think I'm not going to put his departure at the feet of people who felt negatively about his football or about this season. I understand why people did, and there are elements of this season that I feel very negative about as well. Um, I did sense a slight shifting within the club from one or two people that I speak to kind of around January and after January. I just sensed that... The, the football perhaps didn't always align with how we wanted to be. I think we were trying to play the right stuff, but there were some games where we were just so poor and we didn't seem to have an idea of how to break that down. A Shrewsbury away stands in my mind, obviously. It's one of the ones that I went to. And I remember kind of looking around at 500 fans who have driven three hours or whatever it is across the country, you know, like a five, six hour round trip. They don't get a shot on target. And, yeah, I know it's not. You don't win points for shots on target, but you do. You do win fans. I think that the fans showed actually a degree of um, trust in the club over the summer, with, uh, or certainly over the last few weeks, rather with season ticket renewals. I think the numbers were very, very good given cost of living crisis and all that sort of thing. But the way that negativity was there, and I was beginning to see it in people who. How do I put this? There's an there was an Appleton out brigade. Very, very clearly. I get that. I'm not I'm not having a pop at them. There was. There was the happy clapper Appleton in brigade. There was do you know what I mean? Of which probably I was I was I was a member. I, I, yeah, I'm not a happy clapper, I don't think, but I was very firmly behind the manager. But then there was the wavering guys in the middle, and they were the ones like the wandering voters. Do you know what I mean? Like the the 
you might be Tory, you might be Labour, but there's the ones in the middle that judge things on how they are. They're the ones that you need to get. And I began to sense one or two of those would begin to shift, I think, for one reason or another. Sean Simons, good morning. Jason Reeve talking there about um, David Unsworth. This is Luca's life, says big up, big up. Uh, Will Alfred says Sean Deitch's Red and White Army. I shall ignore that. Uh, Lee Curtis, morning, Gary. Can our model of developing young players work when some of our fan base thinks it's acceptable to batter young players when things are not going well? Take the stick Fiorini and Whitaker got. Would Johnson, etc., have done so well had supporters got on their backs? Good question. Um, but you can't change what supporters feel and you can't change how they react. And actually, Lewis Fiorini and Brooke Norton Cuffey have done very well. And while some fans do get on their back, that's kind of one of the reasons they come out on loan, isn't it? To, to deal with the criticism and the realities of, of senior football. And I think the fact that Brooke came second in our Player of the Year or third in our Player of the Year vote, and Lewis won Young Player of the Year, which I know was the manager's choice, but he also took the away fans' Uh, player of the year, I think he came second in that as well. I think actually it probably shows that this is a good environment because it does toughen them up. And I remember Brennan Johnson taking some stick on social media. Let's not forget that you look back and it's easy to go, Brennan was great because he's worth 20 million now and he's at the top of the league with Forest. But I liken it to this. A couple of Christmases ago, I had a stinking cold all Christmas. God, I was rough as arseholes. But when I think back to that Christmas now, it's not the first thing that comes to mind. I remember sitting in the lounge wrapping presents. Fee had gone away to see her family. I couldn't because I was ill. I don't remember being ill. I remember the positives. I remember the wrapping the presents, the getting ready for Christmas. I had a Christmas film on. Uh, uh, do you know what I mean? So you remember the positives. And footballers are very, very similar. You remember the goals from Brennan. You remember the highlights. But it's people forget games like Sunderland where we lost at home 4-0 or 4-1 and he missed two sitters in the first five minutes people were on his back doesn't score enough not good enough they were and sometime one day I'd like to go back and search that day and pick some people out but I'm not one for that I'm not one for naming and shaming because I believe that you can change your opinion and it's easy to be reactive in the moment but you should never whitewash history so yeah I think Brennan took a fair share of stick from certain quarters albeit we weren't in the in the ground i get that i understand that but you know we didn't nobody booed fiorini on the field i don't think so you know that's one of the reasons they come out on loan it really is and it's just the the key there is to make sure that if there's nine thousand in the ground and 300 are moaning that you know the other eight thousand seven hundred are not i think that's the key Steve Barton, fellow Louthite, is disappointed like me. He's a, uh, Michael is a championship Premier League coach as opposed to a league or manager. In my opinion, the club struggles this season. I've not been down to I've been down to League One, two players not having the appropriate ability to play system. I hope we carry on this route, as I hate to watch the old school lower league type of football. But whatever will be their fans like the rest of us. Yeah, a hundred percent. One or two. I don't know if they've struggled to play his brand of football. I I see what you mean, but you look at Chris Maguire. He shouldn't. And he has. And in recent weeks, he became something of a scapegoat because he played in that kind of key pivotal role. What I would assume George Grant would have been in last season. And Grant used to effortlessly ping us a 50-yard ball to a wide man or to a centre forward and create. And what Chris did, Chris Maguire, would beat a player and turn around, run back to where he was. And 30 seconds of my life is gone and we're no further forward. Now, I think there was a couple of times we did passes like that as well where the centre-half's got the ball, the winger's on. But he plays it to the fullback. The fullback turns, looks at the winger, checks, plays it back to the centre half. 
We're no further on, 15 seconds later. Centre-half maybe may as well just have stood there with the ball and let people come at him. And I think, I get what you're saying. I don't think there's many players who don't have the ability to play the football that Michael wanted to play. I, I just don't think one or two of them didn't have the creativity to produce the end product that that style of football needed. Uh, that was Jake mentioning Rob Edward. He also thinks Daniel Stendhal wouldn't be bad, but would be ripping up the model, current model completely. Won't happen. Um, Nick Oxbury said there's a new appointment from Rotherham announced today over there. Ross Burberry, head of performance. I think I'd heard that we were bringing him in a week or two ago. Um, just somebody mentioned it on social media. So I don't think it's a brand new thing that's happened. Um, I've just retweeted it this morning. So this is the Rotherham fitness and conditioning coach, I think. And he's been headhunted by us. And Rotherham have basically said we got it to lose him. We, you know, they were one of the fittest teams in the division. Just goes to show, doesn't it, that actually, although we say we're not fit enough, we're not this, we're not that, we're getting injuries. People at the football club do look at that situation and try and remedy it. Now, there's a reason that the players this season haven't been fit and have been in the years before under Dan and Nick. And it's the same guys. It's still Mickey Hines, great guy. Luke Jelly, great guy, you know. It's still the same team, the same sport science team. I'm not pointing the finger at those boys. I don't know what it is. Some of it has been unlucky. You can't legislate three concussions. You can't legislate an ACL popping. But, you know, like players coming in, training, and then getting a knock in training, that's unforgivable. One knock in training, fair enough. You start getting four or five or six setbacks in training. For me, then there is an issue. There is an issue. Ben Ward, morning sweetness. I think, wrong chat, Dad. Uh, morning sweetness, the pod suddenly became a bumper one this week, eh? Unless I cover it all now. Um, Jake says, didn't realise you were going to be on it this week then, Ben. Well, we won, Jake, didn't we? So you won't be. Uh, Rob says, am I still pissed? I was messaging Rob from home nightclub very, very late. I think it was home. I can't remember. And I think he had to be up at four in the next morning to do his job. And I'm there telling him I'm in the nightclub. Um, I spoke to him for weeks before that as well. So apologies, Rob. James Hoyer may clearly let down last summer and hinted at not being happy about it on numerous occasions. Could see the lack of goals in the squad a mile off. Don't want the same recruitment team involved this summer. We could see the lack of goals a mile off. Maguire didn't didn't hit the ground running. Goals should have been there. Dan and Lundaloo came, got injured early, was forced back in against Manchester United. Kids got injured early. Tom Hopper's injury. I think had we stayed injury free there would have been four or five more goals in there for us. But I, I take your point. I'm not going to say I don't want the same recruitment team involved because Luis Fiorini, good bit of business. Um, you know, uh, Brooke Norton Coffey, good bit of business. I think Morgan Whitaker was decent business. They're the loans. You know, the same recruitment team brought in Regan Paul last January, player of the year. People talk about um, Anthony Scully brought in by the same method. Teo Eden brought in by the same method. So, I'm not going to say I don't want the same recruitment team involved because I don't see a fundamental problem with the recruitment team. I see a fundamental problem with elements of last year's of last summer's recruitment. I think there are wider reasons for that than, you know, people on social media going, just George is shit at his job. Yeah, he's not. He's not. But we didn't get the recruitment quite right last summer. Um, did we get the recruitment right in January? Well, you know, the lone players, again, I, th- I think Lewis, uh, Morgan Whitaker did well. Liam Cullen, not so well. John Marquis, you know, people might consider him a miss, but he scored some crucial goals at a time where we needed a lift and he gave us that lift. They weren't goals that particularly won us points. Yeah, but that win against Sheffield Wednesday was huge and we needed it. And at that time, we didn't know that it was going to be such a low points tally to stay up. So 
again, I don't think that the recruitment has been as bad as people perceive it to be. I think the misses have been wider. Las Sorensen, let's be honest, has been very, very poor. Is Hakeem Adelican a miss? He hasn't really been given a chance, has he? He hasn't been given a chance to prove his worth. But he scored a couple of goals. And I think if you'd got 40 games out of Hakeem and, and maybe put the Carlisle kind of having a drink off behind us, maybe there would have been a few more. I thought he was decent about MK Dons as well, against MK Dons. Is he a miss? Max Sanders, is Max Sanders a recruitment miss? Well, yeah, it's hard to tell. Players, bringing a player to the club is only the start of the recruitment. So when we're saying you know, that we had a bad summer in terms of recruitment, we didn't have a brilliant summer like the year before, but did we have a bad summer? Luis Fiorini, well, he's got away player of the year and young player, or second in away player of the year and young player of the year. You look at the likes of Regan Paul, I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure that I have a problem with the people involved. Um, but I, yeah, I'm not there every day. I don't, I don't see uh, reaction to, to Jez and, and, and how Jez is. Every time I've met him, he's been fine. Um, I think the, transfer talk that we had I would love to have been able to have him deliver that to everybody might try and get him on the podcast if he's willing to just go through some of the finer points because you know I found him actually to be quite an engaging man with he doesn't sit there with his computer and go we'll sign him him and him if that's what people think there's a lot of scouting a lot of full matches watch there's a big recruitment team and everybody has part responsibility for it it's not just George's sole responsibility to bring players in and we have failed so he has gone or he will be going. I don't I don't think that's the case at all. I can understand how it can be perceived that again though, and I'm not having a pop. Uh James, hi, sorry, but if you have to overspend in January because the summer is so poor and people aren't doing their jobs properly. Did we overspend in January because the summer was poor? Or did we overspend in January because one lone player didn't work out in Dan and Lundaloo? Tom Hopper had been injured, Liam Bridcut had been injured. I think it's I'm not going to get into an argument. I think it's very basic to break it down as in the summer was poor, so we had to overspend. I think the summer recruitment was a contributory factor in a poor first half of the season. So we spent in order to try and achieve a, a respectable League One position that we did. I get that. I don't think as a whole, all of the summer recruitment was so poor. Um, Josh Griffiths, was a good signing, was he not in the summer? TJ Ioma, there's not one person in this chat right now, the 69 watching right now across different platforms, not one person would say TJ Ioma at the time was a bad signing. Didn't particularly work out. Lass, yes. Hacks, yes. I buy that. Louis Fiorini, no. Dan Unlundaloo didn't work. But again, actually on paper, Dan Unlundaloo had 11 other league long clubs chasing him. Everything about Dan Unlundaloo looked right. It didn't work out. I don't think he was particularly bad recruitment. Um, I do think that we went into the season a striker short, granted. I do think that we went into the season a wide player short. Potentially, we shouldn't have had to let either Zach Elbazetti or Theo Archibald go. But I think to say that the recruitment over the summer was so poor, is it's a relatively easy thing to do, but I don't think it paints an entirely accurate picture. I can understand why people think it does. Uh, Gareth Speed says, do you think Gareth, Darren Ferguson would be a good shout? Gary, nope, don't want a wife beater in charge of Lincoln City Football Club. Uh, Rob Scott, sometimes injuries can ruin the season. Same way it did Liverpool last season. No defenders fit, but no one said Klopp had failed for that. Yeah, it can. It can. I think there's there's a lot of different factors. And look, this, this dog walk was never about trying to pick out what went wrong last season. 
was about looking forward, not backwards. And as football fans, and I'm massively guilty of this, we spend all our time looking backwards. We spend all our time looking at the past, looking at history and judging ourselves on that. And it can be used both ways. People will say, think about where we've come from and where we are now. Yeah, but where we are now is where we are. So you should think about where you've come from. You know, there was there was a time where, you know, I was I was on my arse, no jobs, off with stress and anxiety. But I don't then sit down now and think, oh, well, look at where I've come. I'll take it a little bit easy today because you don't do it. At the same time, you can't kind of, you can't look back and say, you know, this was terrible and, and we're in such a bad position. You've got to move forward again. When I just got my first job after that kind of whole stress and anxiety thing, I, I didn't kind of go, oh, God, look where I've come from. I ruined everything. You get on with it. And that's football. We've got to keep looking forward. We will keep picking over backwards. Anyway, I want to leave you on something, a little story from the other night. And I'm not going to name names. <clears throat> I'm not going to name names. And this isn't a great, a particularly great story. Um. And I'm not going to tell you who who it was a member of or anything like that. But we took a uh, we were in a pub. We were in a pub the other night and uh, a friend of mine wanted to take a picture of two or three of us together. So, yep, no problem. So we had the picture taken when he's come back. He has unfortunately managed to get. um, Yes. (laughs) Chris Lamming says, here we go. Uh, he has uh, unfortunately managed to get uh, something in the picture um, that kind of ruined it. And it was a a young, I say a young lady, but it was a, a woman who completely dressed massively inappropriately, um, bent over between kind of two of us. And there was, it was not pretty. And he said, oh God. He goes, I'm going to put that in the group chat because it's one of those amusing stories. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything sinister. It was one of those amusing kind of photos. So he's put it in the chat and off we go. So a little bit later on, we're in a place called Carousel, which is an um, an absurd combination of Skegness uh, and High Street Lincoln in what used to be a high-class stationers. And uh, we go out to the little smoking area there. And my mate is just, he's got this ashen look on his face. We said, what's up, mate? He said, you know that picture? Like, yeah, yeah, he goes, I put it in the wrong chat. And what he had done, he showed me the phone and the first message on the chat was his 16-year-old daughter. And he said, wrong chat, dad. Um, he said, well, you sent it to your daughter. And he went, no, it's worse than that. And bear in mind, this is, this is a picture that's quite, you know, probably best shared, not amongst friends even. He goes, I've put it in our Aaron 2021 holiday chat. Who's in that, mate? My daughter, my wife, my brother-in-law, my mother-in-law, pretty much all of my family. And all that was coming through was all these things, that, like all his family replying to it. And it was genuinely the best moment that I think I've ever had. Because nothing, nothing quite hits the spot like one of your friends making himself look like a massive, massive tit. Because uh, that's why you're friends, isn't it? You're friends because you love their suffering. Hopefully that's cheered you up a little bit. I can see Dave Phillips and Rob Scott like it anyway. So all good. Look, thank you very much for watching. Um, the Michael Appleton era is over. Uh, the king is dead. Long live the king, um, whoever that might be. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. 
Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.